Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most, because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D, and today I'll be bringing you part two of three of the case of Briasia Terrell in Davenport, Iowa. This isn't the final episode, there will be one more part, so don't say I didn't warn you. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, you should probably skip back one and then meet us right back here. With all that being said, let's get right to it. Let's pick up right where we left off last week. 10-year-old Briasia Terrell had vanished from the apartment of Henry Dinkins and Andrea Culberson after going over for an impromptu visit with her half-brother D. Just a refresher, Dinkins was the father of Briasia's 8-year-old half-brother D and had been in Briasia's life when she was younger. But due in part to his time in and out of the slammer and the years leading up to that chance meeting at the gas station, Dinkins hadn't been in contact with his own son, let alone Briasia. So when Dinkins called Aisha Langford that morning of July 10, 2020, and told her that her daughter was missing, suspicions were immediately raised. And it only got more suspicious when Dinkins lied and then acted like he couldn't be bothered to actually search for Briasia and was more concerned about his suspended driver's license. And when investigators spoke to 8-year-old D and he told them about a bottle of bleach, a knife, and an early morning fishing trip with his father, all eyes were on Henry Dinkins. After D sat down and told the police his story, investigators took the boy for a drive to see if he could recall the areas he had been in with Henry Dinkins. And he did. The little boy led police to an isolated part of Credit Island, which is a historic area in South Davenport that now serves as a community park and playground. A search of the area revealed footprints in the mud in a swampy area between the roadway and the Mississippi River. The prints started at the roadway and went into the direction of the tree line near the river. At the same time Dinkins' Chevy Impala was being searched, location data was being gathered from his cell phone, and video surveillance seized from anywhere and everywhere, Dinkins might have had a fleeting thought about going. I just have to pop in here for a second and say that the response by the Davenport police was swift, thorough, and other departments should take notes. Because y'all, they were on it like stank on a polecat, and we are here for it. Let's start with the Chevy Impala. According to court testimony, when it came to the Impala, several concerning discoveries were made. Like the fact that when investigators opened the trunk, they detected the distinct smell of bleach and it only got more disturbing from there. 
Crime scene technicians located areas on the rear seat which indicated that bodily fluids were present, an axe head that had possible blood, a bat, an empty knife sheath, and mud on the undercarriage of the car. When it came to the location data, it proved, of course, that Dinkins had been less than honest in the story he told police in the interview room, or the story he had told Aisha about waking up to find Briasia missing from the apartment. Henry Dinkins had been running the roads all night long, and the traffic cameras captured it. According to court testimony, at 2.13 a.m., the night Briasia vanished, traffic cameras captured a vehicle which appeared to be Henry Dinkins' maroon Chevy Impala traveling north on Schmidt Road, which would have been the most direct route of travel to Credit Island from Andrea's apartment. At 2.29 a.m., surveillance videos captured Dinkins' Impala leaving Devon's self-storage, where he kept his RV. Mind you, the RV wasn't hooked up to any power or water, so it wasn't exactly livable. At 2.30, the vehicle was back on Schmidt Road, heading south, but he must have forgot something because at 2.31, the vehicle was spotted on traffic cameras headed back north on Schmidt in the direction of Devon's self-storage. And lo and behold, at 2.49 a.m., motion-activated cameras at Devon's storage captured the vehicle again. At 2.50, the vehicle was back on Schmidt, and at 2.51, the Impala entered Credit Island. Three minutes later, at 2.53 a.m., the Impala left the island. Surveillance captured Deacons again at 3.32 a.m. at a Quickstar gas station off 53rd Street. The vehicle pulled up to the gas pump. Dinkins was captured walking into the store. As he waited to pay for his gas, investigators noted that he kept looking out the window and appeared very interested in whatever was in his vehicle, although the tin on the windows was too dark to make anything out. Dinkins paid for $34 in gas with a $100 bill. He then sat in the vehicle as the gas pumped before leaving the parking lot. Needless to say, it was day one of the investigation, and detectives already knew Dinkins was lying like a cheap rug about his movements in the hours Briasia had vanished, because he hadn't told them any of this. By this point, it was getting dark and there was still no sign of Briasia. For her family, with darkness came the realization that something was so very wrong. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The following day, investigators called in Jim Peters of Samaritan Detection Dogs to canvas the areas they knew Dinkins had been in. Jim came with two of his trained cadaver dogs, which independently alerted on several areas. Credit Island, near where the footprints had been found, a small camping trailer near where the RV had been parked, and one of Dinkins' vehicles. Of course, the RV Dinkins owned had been seized by police at this point, so the dogs were taken to the garage and both alerted near a hole on the front bumper of the RV. 
The dogs were also taken to the garage where both of Henry Dinkins' vehicles were impounded. For the black Chevy Camaro, the one Dinkins had been driving, when he first picked up the children from their grandmother's house, the dogs made no alert. But when it came to the maroon Chevy Impala, Dee recalled being in with his father. After Briasia vanished, both dogs alerted to the smell of human decomposition near the front passenger door where the door met the fender. Another break came in the case once investigators got their hands on Dinkins' cell phone location history. And what was missing was almost as important as what was found. For long periods of time in the early morning hours of July 10th, there was no cell phone activity on Dinkins' phone. Zero, zip, zilch, nada. No pings and no way to track the phone as if the phone had been powered off or was dead. And then suddenly a ping, but not near any of the areas investigators knew Dinkins had been in. A ping 37 miles northeast of Davenport and Clinton at a Walmart just after 7 a.m a random ping that had no location data prior, as it would if you had taken the cell phone and driven the approximate 37 miles from Davenport to Clinton. The phone would have interacted with the towers along the way, leaving a trail of sorts. But this ping was completely out of the blue with nothing before or after. Investigators secured the surveillance video from the Walmart and sure as shit, there was Henry Dinkins and Paula rolling up to the Clinton Walmart and by this point, his eight-year-old son, Dee, was with him. And what did Dinkins need so desperately that he had driven 37 miles out of his way to get from a Walmart that wasn't even in his town? Two bottles of bleach. Footage recovered from inside the store showed that Henry Dinkins purchased nothing other than two 81-ounce bottles of Clorox bleach. And when he was inside that Walmart, he was alone. He had left Dee in the car. Leaving his son alone at the Impala was precisely what led to this break in the case. You see, Dee later told investigators that when Dinkins went inside the Walmart, he got bored. So he picked up his father's cell phone to play a game while he waited. And that's when the eight-year-old boy found that the battery had been removed from the cell phone. There are zero good reasons to take the battery out of your phone on a normal day, let alone when a child is missing from your apartment but the eight-year-old didn't know any of that. He knew his father had came and got him and was acting strange. He didn't know where his sister was, and now his father had taken him to a random Walmart, and he was left alone in the car. Like any eight-year-old, he was bored, and like any eight-year-old, was way more tech-savvy than most of us. So he picked up the phone, popped the battery back in, and played a game while he waited on Dinkins to come out of the store. And Dee wasn't no dummy. He didn't want to get into trouble, so when he saw his father coming back, he popped the battery back out and put the phone right back where it was. But the phone was powered on long enough for it to communicate with the closest tower, and investigators now had another lead, all thanks to Briasia's little brother, whose testimony was crucial during every step of this case. Investigators knew Dinkins had gone to Clinton, but why? There were two Walmarts in Davenport, and one of them was just around the corner from Andrea's apartment. Though they didn't exactly know the why yet, the search for Briasia was expanded to Davenport, Clinton, and everywhere in between. And the police weren't the only ones searching. Briasia's family was desperate to find her, and the entire community rallied behind them. Countless volunteer searches were organized, and volunteers showed up 
with whatever resources they had to help. Days after Briasia vanished, police charged Henry Dinkins with violating his sex offender registry requirements by failing to update his address and for having contact with minors. He was arrested and jailed in Clinton County. On July 14, 2020, Davenport police held a press conference and announced the arrest and for the first time publicly stated that Dinkins was a person of interest in Briasia's disappearance. Davenport Police Chief Paul Sikorsky asked the public about Dinkins' whereabouts in the Quad Cities from 10 p.m. Thursday, July 9th to noon, Friday, July 10th. The Davenport Police also released a flyer with not only Briasia's information, but also photos of Henry Dinkins, his two vehicles, and the RV. Calls flooded in, and the search continued, but unfortunately, there was still no sign of Briasia Terrell. But investigators were nowhere near giving up. At some point, although it's a little unclear exactly when, they called Henry Dinkins' girlfriend, Andrea Culberson, back into talk, and this time, her story changed. What Andrea Culberson told investigators she witnessed that night sent a chill down the spine of everyone who heard it. Andrea Culberson corroborated much of the same story she had told initially, about when the kids got to the house, and the same story detailed. They played video games, ate, showered, and Dinkins had given the kids the long oversized t-shirts to wear, and they had all gone to bed. Briasia first, and then Andrea herself, she assumed followed by Dee, and then Henry. She told the responding officer the last time she had seen Briasia, the 10-year-old girl was asleep in the bed. But that wasn't true. According to Andrea, she did lay down on the air mattress to sleep at approximately 11.30 p.m., and at that point, Briasia was already asleep on the bed. Henry Dinkins was on the couch playing on his phone. She heard him tell Dee that he needed to get off the game at midnight, and she drifted off to sleep. But at 3 o'clock in the morning, Andrea woke up to use the bathroom, and when she did, she noticed that Briasia wasn't in the bed. In fact, she wasn't anywhere in the apartment. Briasia and Henry were both gone. She knew something was wrong, so she tried to call Henry, but realized that he had left his phone at the apartment. So she sat alone on the couch in the darkness and waited for Henry and Briasia to return. Some time passed, and then Andrea heard Dinkins creeping up the stairs to the apartment, trying not to wake anyone. As he crept around the apartment, Andrea looked out the window over the bed in the bedroom where Dee and Briasia had been sleeping, which had the perfect view of the apartment complex parking lot. And there was Briasia, in the long white t-shirt standing next to Dinkins' maroon Chevy Impala in the parking lot. Andrea was 100% sure it was Briasia Terrell standing next to her boyfriend's car. As Andrea was looking out the window, Henry Dinkins walked over to his closet and began digging around. Andrea noticed that Dinkins wasn't wearing the same clothes he had on when he had gone to bed that night and was now wearing what she described as a white wife-beater undershirt, blue shorts, and gold sneakers. Andrea watched as Dinkins removed something from his closet and then concealed it in his clothes. She wasn't able to make out what it was, but it was small enough to hide. Dinkins walked out of the apartment and left in the Chevy Impala. While she never saw Briasia get into the car, she recalled that when she looked out, there was no one else in the parking lot, 
and when the Impala left, Briasia was gone. At this point, it was approximately 3.30 a.m. She claimed she never confronted Dinkins about why he, a registered sex offender, had a 10-year-old child out with him at 3 in the damn morning because she was scared. And if she, a grown-ass woman, was scared, can you imagine how terrifying this must have been for little Briasia? For reasons I will never understand, Andrea did nothing to intervene. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. After Dinkins left, Dee woke up and Andrea told the boy that his sister was gone. Andrea claimed he began to cry, so she put him on the couch in the living room. She put Dinkins' phone on charge and then just sat around the apartment, according to her concerned, but apparently not concerned enough to do a damn thing about it. Anyhow, sometime in the early morning, Dinkins returned again. According to Andrea, it was a little past sunrise, but still early. Dinkins returned to get his son, D. He gave Andrea no explanation, just said that they had to go and grab Dee and one of the kids' bags of clothes. As he left, Andrea insisted he take his phone, which Dinkins did. After he left, Andrea noted that he had forgotten the other bag of clothing, so she called him and he came back and got it. Andrea brought the bag down to the car and when she did, she noted that Briasia was not in the passenger or backseat of the Impala. It was just Dee and Henry. The next thing she knew, police were knocking on her door, asking her where Briasia was. She spoke to the responding officer briefly, but failed to mention any of this. And later, she accompanied Dinkins to the police station for, in her own words, moral support. During her initial interrogation, Andrea Culberson defended Dinkins and at times became combative with officers. At one point during all this, she had even asked Briasia's mother, Aisha, if Briasia was known to sleepwalk. Why, when she had just seen her sex-offending boy toy take off in the night with a little girl? Was she scared? Did she honestly think there was a chance Briasia had sleepwalked off with purple Martians? Or was she covering for her boyfriend, Henry Dinkins? I have my thoughts, but I'll let you decide, since Andrea herself hasn't been charged with anything in connection to this case. Andrea did eventually cooperate and testify against Dinkins, but in my humble opinion, that doesn't change anything. 
This story could have had an entirely different ending if she had reacted in any realm of appropriate for the situation. She had the chance to step up and be a hero, and she chose to sit her ass on the couch. And I'm going to move on now because I'm not trying to get sued. After finally hearing the truth from Andrea and putting it together with the cell phone information, Dee's account of events, the surveillance video, the cadaver dogs, and everything police had discovered, it was pretty evident that Henry Dinkins had likely murdered Briasia, and with his history, the motive seemed crystal clear. Investigators believed Briasia had likely been sexually assaulted, and when Dinkins realized that Briasia would probably tell someone, he had murdered her to cover up the assault. As much as they wanted to bring charges, they needed to find Briasia first. The searches continued, but as the weeks passed, they became less and less. Not because they didn't want to search, but because they had searched everywhere they could think of. And without any new leads, they didn't know where else to look. Briasia's family did their best to keep her name in the media, talking to the news, passing out flyers, posting on social media, and having clothing designed to wear around town with Briasia's information on it. But despite their best efforts, the days turned into weeks, the weeks into months, and there was still no sign of the 10-year-old little girl. Nine months passed when a group of three men headed out for a fishing trip in DeWitt, Iowa. It was March 22, 2021. The men went to an area off Highway 61 owned by Kunau Implement. Kunau Implement is a farm equipment supplier. They have a large warehouse seated on a huge chunk of property. Just for reference, Kunau Implement is in DeWitt, Iowa, which is in Clinton County, and roughly 20 miles west of the Walmart Dinkins had been spotted at the night Briasia vanished. Back to the property. The business is situated on the northeast-ish corner of the property, and there are multiple entrances to the business. But on the south end, there is a wooded area with a pond near 212th Street. The pond is tucked into a heavily wooded area and can be accessed from 270th Avenue. It's tucked enough out of the way that if you step just a few feet off the road, you'd be in the thick brush. It makes for a nice secluded fishing spot, and of course, that's why the men were there. The road leading to the pond was pretty steep at a certain point, and the men knew that. So they parked their truck up near the road and started walking down. That's when one of them noticed something white. So he walked over and when he got closer, he saw what appeared to be a human skull. But at first, he didn't think it could be real. So he picked it up and when he did, he realized that he was actually holding a real human skull. He called his other two friends over and they then noticed more skeletal remains nearby. They appeared to be the remains of a small human body with black hair. The men actually discussed the possibility that this could be the little girl missing from Davenport, Briasia Terrell, as they waited for law enforcement to arrive. Investigators were on scene moments later. It was getting dark, so they worked quickly to preserve the scene. The medical examiner, along with a forensic anthropologist, was called in. The scene was actively being processed as a press conference was held the following day on March 23, 2021, to announce a discovery. It was a joint conference with the police chief in Davenport as well as the Clinton County Sheriff and officials from the DeWitt Police Department. They informed the public that remains had been found, but that was all. 
They wouldn't give any other details and wouldn't answer the question of whether or not the body found was an adult or a child. The police chief said that it could take weeks before an identification could be made. But the whispers throughout the community was that this was Briasia. And eight days later, another press conference was held. Davenport Police Chief Paul Sikorsky struggled to make the announcement. Good afternoon, everyone. <clears throat> My name is Paul Sikorsky, and I'm the police chief here in Davenport. And last Monday, the Davenport Police Department was contacted by the Clinton County Sheriff's Department in regarding to the discovery of human remains uh, near 270th Avenue uh, near DeWitt. An autopsy on the remains was conducted by the Division of Criminal Investigation, and we have received confirmation We've received confirmation that the uh, remains are those of Briasia Terrell. As you know, Briasia's been missing since July 10th uh, from our city. This news is heartbreaking to both Briasia's family and our Davenport community. Our deepest sympathies and heartfelt prayers are with all of those who are affected by this tragic loss. As this case turns from a missing child to a homicide investigation, we know our community is anxious for information regarding the investigation and any charges that may be forthcoming. We also understand the desire to see the perpetrator of this crime brought to justice. However, in order to maintain the integrity of this investigation, one that's been going on for some nine months now, nonstop, I'm not able to comment on any specific investigative details at this time. And I hope you all will respect that for the integrity of this investigation. This investigation continues to be a joint investigation by the Davenport Police Department, the Division of Criminal Investigation from the Iowa Department of Public Safety, and our federal partners at the FBI. I can assure our community that investigators are working diligently to bring justice on Briasia's half. Again, they have been nonstop for the last, they have been nonstop for the last nine months. I want to assure our community that when we are able to share details on this investigation, we will. As we told you last Monday in Clinton County with Sheriff Greenwald, that we would let you know just as soon as we could when we had information on this. We will continue to do that 
for our community's sake, for Briasia's sake and Briasia's family. Though they weren't revealing any details of the investigation to the public just yet, investigators already knew that Briasia's murder had been brutal and the cover-up had been extensive. At the scene where Briasia's body had been found, investigators noted that tree branches had been cut with a sharp object and laid over her body. Through the analysis of the forensic anthropologist and the medical examiner, it had been determined that Briasia had been shot at least three times, once in the jaw and at least once, possibly twice, in the scapula or shoulder blade. The trajectory of the bullets was from front to back, so Briasia would have been facing her attacker when she was shot. It was impossible to determine which of the wounds were fatal due to the decomposition of the body, but the medical examiner did determine that Briasia's death was a homicide by gunshot. Clothing had been recovered near Briasia's remains, which included a 4X white t-shirt, black shorts, which appeared to have bleach stains, a black training bra, and a white slide shoe. In addition, investigators were able to recover three bullets, one in Briasia's hair and two others near her remains. A bottle of bleach was also recovered at the scene. On April 3, 2021, Big River Rescue and Recovery Dive Team was called in to search the pond near Kunau Implement. During the search, the dive team recovered a silver 38 revolver, which was consistent with the 38 caliber bullets recovered from Briasia's remains. The records associated with the revolver couldn't be found due to the 2008 flood in Cedar Rapids, in which thousands of homes were damaged as well as 310 city facilities. Many records stored in government buildings were lost, and apparently some of them must have been gun registrations. So, the gun couldn't be traced back to anyone. But it seemed more than coincidental that a 38 was recovered from a pond nearby where Briasia's body had been found with bullets that were consistent with that gun. They had found Briasia, but at this point in the investigation, detectives couldn't definitively place Henry Dinkins directly at the scene. I mean, they could place him nearby in Clinton County at the Walmart, but that was it. Or was it? When news broke that Briasia's body had been found there at the Kunal Implement near DeWitt, another witness came forward, a witness who had been driving down Highway 61 near Kunal Implement the night Briasia vanished. A witness who had an early morning encounter with a man driving a maroon Chevy Impala, who never realized his story would play an integral role in getting justice for Briasia Terrell. But his story will have to wait until next week, because unfortunately, we're running out of time, and there is so much more to this story. The eyewitness, damning evidence discovered on Dinkins' electronics, and new information from a witness on the stand at trial that left the courtroom stunned. Join me next week, same time, same place, for the conclusion of Briasia's case. Before we go, I just have to give a huge shout out to all of you who stopped by the table to say hi this weekend at CrimeCon. It meant more to me than you will ever know. Thank you for pouring your hearts out about the cases that you hold close to your heart and leaving that list of case suggestions that you feel aren't getting the coverage they deserve. 
I started this whole podcast gig in order to be able to bring attention to cases that weren't getting what they needed. I've been in the position where a family I was working with desperately needed media attention, and we had to fight to get it. If you know the story, then you know that the case was Jessica Van Zant Dietzel, who was still missing from Albany, Georgia, and that Heather Ashley at Big Mad True Crime reached out and offered her platform and, might I add, did one hell of a job covering Jessica's case. Heather and I became instant BFFs, and eventually I signed with Big Mad Media. I never again wanted to be in the position where I had to beg for media attention for a family, and Heather and Kyle were instrumental in helping me build my platform. What I never anticipated is that you guys would be so passionate about supporting me on this journey, or that you'd go hard for cases that it seems many have forgotten. But every week, here you are. I am forever grateful for each and every one of you because you make all of this possible. This weekend, I got to see it live and in person, and I was blown away by all the love. I asked myself a million and one times if this was real life, but it is, and it's all because of you and your passion for justice for everyone. So thank you. Without you, this podcast wouldn't be a thing, and I'm so glad this podcast is a thing. There's really no good way to transition here, so allow me to shamelessly plug my socials. You can find me on Instagram at least underscore of these or my Facebook at least of these podcasts. You can finally get all your episodes ad free just the way you like them for just $2 a month. And as a member of Patreon, you'll be the first to be notified when new tiers will be launched with exclusive episodes and a few bonus surprises. Head on over to patreon.com slash least of these to support the show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.